Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. On April 10th, 2003, Kill Bill hit theaters. We're going to talk about that today on Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast, the premier flagship and international podcast of LRM Online and the Genreverse Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, and I'm here with Joseph Jammer Medina and producer Tom Malone. We're going to have a conversation about Kill Bill Volume 1 because, as Jammer mentioned, it is the anniversary of that film. And I'm actually kind of curious. You said a thing. I don't know if it's correct. Uh, you said April. You said April. Did I, I said I meant to say October. What, did did oh, I say okay. April? You f- sure as fuck did. <laughs> I'm looking directly at it. Clear as day. October 10th, 2003. I, you know, I know it screws you, you know, up. I know we, we mentioned, said, yeah. Kill Bill yeah, Volume 2. You know no, what? I'll take the blame for that. No, don't take the blame for that. That was clearly a me problem. I, incepted, I incepted you, though. I snuck in like Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. <It's> April 10th. <laughs> People are gonna listen to this like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Who's this guy? Why are we gonna new... talk to this guy? Oh, my bad. No October tenth, two thousand three. I like how. Why would we do the twentieth anniversary like six months after the fact? Wait, May, June, July, August. September. Because yeah, Hollywood has left us with fact. nothing to talk about. That's why. <laughs> <sighs> well. Well, that, that just rounds out this episode for the day. I think we're done, Kyle. We can just go <laughs> we're ahead. We're all done. Shut it <laughs> yeah. down. Cut the check. Shut it down. Well, yeah, let's talk about this film. Let's let, let's have a conversation about this film. Um, I'm going to give you guys some some very quick stats. So this is a film that was directed by Quentin Tarantino. What? No. It's got, I'm doing a whole setup thing, and it's got I know a rotten tomato setup score. Thing. I'm doing a setup yeah. thing. I'm doing a setup thing. Uh, it has an 85 from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes and an 81 percent from the audience. I. I'm a little surprised. I don't think I've ever looked at the Rotten Tomato score for this film. Mm. Um, I kind of expected the audience score to be higher than the critics. Um, does that surprise you at all, Jammer? Yeah, it does, actually. Ugh. Does it, but doesn't yeah. it? Does, does it, but does, doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm I'm torn on that. And the reason why is because why this, is, this is a very stylized movie. It is an unnecessarily inflated movie. It Whoa. has its weird Whoa. quirks. It It, it is. It this is. guy's coming out hooking and jabbing. I always right. no no. The, to, to be clear, just straight up front, I love this movie. This movie, like mm. everyone else, mm. this is this is the typical kid growing up in the '90s thing. Oh, Kill Bill was very influential to me because it hit me at the right age, which totally did. It was the first piece of Western media that I noticed that actually like had incorporated anime anime I said anime like a freaking weirdo, but anime as opposed to I was gonna say animation and it messed up. Barcelona. Anime. Yeah, Barcelona. It was anime. Incorporated anime. that into the story. Like the only other thing that we got that was remotely close to that was the Matrix, but still that was covered in live action. This one it was just like we're actually going to put an anime in a, in a Hollywood movie, and so there was a. It, it was very much as an anime fan, very influential to me because it, it I felt seen for the first time because up until this point I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't about live action. I was all about really? anime. 
Yeah, oh yeah. I was an anime guy. Like there's a reason why looking back, I like, actually revisiting shows from the nineties and from the early two thousands, I'm reminded, oh, this is why I wasn't into TV. TV wasn't for me back then for many different reasons. Like they were either like you have either spaceship or sci-fi shows, or everything else is just sitcoms. Um anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. The point is this movie was very was that influential a problem? to me. Was that I, yeah, so I, this movie I love comes sci-fi. out four years this no, no, film comes out me. four years after The Matrix. So I, just, I, I mentioned The Matrix already. I know. No, no. But what I'm saying is you said you you felt like you hadn't been, you weren't seen. Yeah. And so this is a film that comes out four years after that. Uh, I was just curious. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so I think what it was through. when The Matrix came out. Well, when The Matrix came out, I think I was, I think I was probably started getting into anime in like 97, okay. 98. So when The Matrix came out, it still wasn't. There wasn't that like, disconnect. Hey, you just, just stole yet. all that stuff. I didn't feel that as much because I wasn't as oh, okay. invested. But by the time Kill Bill came out, I had watched a lot of anime and was able to kind of okay. see that more. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. It was uh very unique. I actually did not see this in theaters because I didn't even hear about it. I had to wait till yeah, I didn't see it. In, I didn't see it in theaters. Hadn't even heard it. I, I've heard it put in Tarantino, but I had never seen any of his movies. This was his first movie of his that I saw. What the fuck? Great. I've heard of Reservoir oh Dogs. God. I've seen references to it. I saw Pulp Fiction, or I saw parts of it. Never heard of Jackie Brown before that. Um, and then, yeah. And you really like Jackie one. Brown now. Oh, I love Jackie Brown. Yeah, Jackie yeah. Brown's great. That's crazy. Why is that um, crazy? I was 15. I was a youngin'. Uh, weird. I think I'm only five years older than you. I I don't know. That's weird. It's just a little surprising. A little surprising. Um, I think five years at that age is a big deal, though. You were 20. Yeah, but at 15, I would still go to the movies to see Jackie Brown. Or not Jackie Brown, but um, this. Pulp, kill, I would have seen Bill. this in the theater. Yeah. It was honestly, yeah. it wasn't that I couldn't. It was more that I literally had not heard of it. Yeah. You know what's funny about that? And just just as in a brief aside, talking about a movie that hit you at the right time, that was The Matrix for me. So mm. that came out in 99. And so that was about the age that you're talking about. Well, now. It, exactly. Because that's the thing. I think Matrix, I was, it, yes, it was influential, but I think I was a bit young for it to be yeah. as influential as it probably is for you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching watching the Matrix and walking outside and just like, I wish I could go back and watch that movie again for the first time because I remember walking out of the theater like, oh my God, oh my God, my brain is just like on the floor, just just mind blown. Um, but back to the subject of what we're talking about. Are you good? Are you, are you done? Sure. Yeah, we we can okay. dig deeper into sure. it. Let's dig Later. deeper in a minute. Um, so it's funny that you're bringing up the Matrix. So Yin Wu Ping, uh, one of the reasons why this film stuck out to me so much because of the fight scenes is because he is the same guy, right? So the martial arts master who brought us the Matrix is also one of the people who worked with Quentin Tarantino to bring us. Uh, this film, which I think is part of why it stuck out to me so much, because if you look at Quentin Tarantino's work, even before or after, not just the martial arts work, uh, not just the speech, like you already brought up anime like this. I, to me, you could correct me if I'm wrong, feels like him at his most experimental and, and in some ways mm-hmm. self-indulgent. Right. Like you talked about how long it yep. was. Um, I love the idea of just incorporating anime. I love the idea of. Um, 
you know, the sensors are going to slap us with an NC-17. All right, cool. We'll do this entire scene in black and white. And if someone didn't know that that was the reason why, you would just think that this is just stylized violence. Like this is just Quentin Tarantino being Quentin Tarantino. And I love that about this movie. Like it feels like it's just, just everything in the kitchen sink. And yep. to, to the best of my knowledge, having seen everything that he's directed, nothing before or after, even I think volume two, like nothing is like this film. This yeah. f- feels just the craziest and the most out there. Um, yeah. Uh, and so for me, I, I get what you're saying about how influential it was because it, it, it struck me very much the same way, almost to the point of when I saw volume two, it was a letdown because while this is an homage to, um, Kung Fu films and revenge films and things of that nature, volume two slows it down a lot and volume two is more about spaghetti westerns and Inyo Morricone and all of that stuff which is crazy because I love I obviously I, I love westerns and yeah. but it was just such a like I wanted a Big Mac and he was like hey here's a steak I was like, I want your fucking steak I want my Big Mac and I've yeah. I've since grown and I actually like volume two more now oh yeah I've um, always loved volume two more than volume one because and oh. I think yeah, but yeah. I think it's because back then I um, I, I was very much all about the anime stuff. I wasn't, and I'm still not entirely that well versed in kung fu cinema or those mm. types of movies. And so those other specific references, they they don't hit me. Spaghetti westerns, though, I love spaghetti westerns, and yeah, yeah. those all hit me in terms of the feel and the style and everything and the music. The yeah, Ennio Morricone, that, that stuff. It really hits Sergio Leone yeah though they even they um, even have the any Morricone in this one I think when uh is it is that song I'm trying to remember what that song from the anime sequence is from I know it's a spaghetti western I just don't remember which one it is and if it's Morricone but it still has that flavor and essence in there and I think what's really cool about this movie really just merges like east and western sensibilities into one and it's kind of cool and unique I don't recall uh, okay. I did not think that it was. It probably but. isn't Morricone, but I think it is a spaghetti Western. Okay. That's probably true. Um, yeah. So talking about how influential this film was, like, I think battle. So bringing up the music battle without honor, humanity is still my ringtone. Like 20 oh. years later, that is the ringtone. Update your ringtone, bro. No. To what? What's anything? Better? Give me something better. No, anything is not. No. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. No. Okay. Um, 
one of the things I love about this film, and and this is, I love this. So you look at Pulp Fiction and you look at the cast. It is a lot of dudes, one woman, right? This is a much better mix. Even Jackie Brown, right? Same thing. Lots of dudes, two chicks. This the is second chick Jackie Brown. Oh yeah, Bridget Fonda. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. go ahead. Um, this little surfer girl, and they never it, meet. No. Oh yeah, no, they, they do. Don't. Do they? sort of. Yeah, they're in the 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 dressing room. Remember, I don't think they they they, they don't see, see each, each other. other. They see each but other. But they speak. Feet. Right. Right. Um. So what I love about this film is the fact that he is able to portray women as these strong, fierce warriors, well-rounded characters. Um, and it doesn't feel like pandering. It doesn't feel like they have more in common with um, Terminator 2 or Aliens style protagonists that are females than they do anything that I think exists in modern um, cinema. So like you get to see, even in the opening scene, you get to see the bride and Vernita Green and you see Vernita Green like is a mother now. She's in suburban America. She's she's living her life, going to make cereal for her daughter who's coming home from school. But she's this whole other person that's just like a straight up fucking killer. And up until that point, even the bride doesn't know that she is still a mother. Um, but you get to have these these female characters that are just again not well represented. I think in cinema today. Uh, in the same way. And I I love that about this movie. Um, it's just a lot of fun to watch them just kick ass and it doesn't feel perfunctory or feel like something that was kicked out by an al- algorithm. Yeah, no, it's very much influenced by uh, the things that Tarantino, like you said, his most indulgent and stylized, like before this movie, he had just done crime movies pretty much. Pretty much. Ground, grounded crime movies, relative, not completely grounded. That whole sequence with the katana at the end of, you know, freaking Pulp Fiction kind of, it took me out of it, not in a bad way, but it was just like, oh, this is a goofy movie. It's different. That's not even, yeah. that's not even at the end though. But you know what I mean? It's different. Yeah. But like crime movies, and then even after that, um, he went to like more stylized westerns, but nothing as colorful and vibrant as I think this movie is. Like visually, this movie is stands on its own and I'm actually wondering what he's going to do for his last movie, if he's going to do something as experimental as this, because everything else has been really sort of just more chill. So he has more... talked about how like that crazy 88 scene in this movie just like took it out of him. And I saw or read an interview where he talked about the fact that that was his attempt to throw himself in the ring of just like the great action directors like I, I think he even talked about that scene was supposed to be like a flight of the valkyries right in um apocalypse now like that he wanted that to be the, the kung fu equivalent of that um and so to that point the other thing that i love about this movie is it is it is a testament to him as an artist that you can very clearly see all of the influences and all the things that he's pulling away from without this film being derivative and i yeah. think that that just that is a testament to his ability to see what is actually good about those things, those genres and those films like the killers, or I'm sorry, the killer or um, um, game of death and, and not just steal like some people do, 
but actually just like grind it down to its most essential parts and finding like the best part of it and saying like, no, 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 here, here's what you actually like about those things in this genre, um, which is great. Like it's, it's incredibly well, impressive. Controversial opinion. Uh oh. I do not like the fight scenes in this movie. I do not like the crazy, really? crazy 88 fight scene in this movie specifically. Why? It's boring. It's too long. It's too long. And the action I'll itself long. isn't eye catching enough for me to care. Like I watched it the first time. I was like, oh, cool. But then I was watching it again. I'm like, mm, this is kind of boring. They move kind of slow. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I was watching so much anime. They're like, oh, these real people moving around is just so slow. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. And every single time I watch it, I kind of zone out whenever the fight stuff happens. Like, granted, I like the, I like the fight scene at the beginning with Verdita Green. I like the fight scene at the end with Oren Ishii. I just don't like the crazy 88 because I think it's done and it keeps going. I'm like, no, when what's his name comes out and he yells and all those people file in. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. No, we have 10 minutes. Jesus Christ, please. No. Um, yeah, I'm over it at that point. Here's a question. So you brought up anime again. I can't think, is there a live action? So think about the, the fight scenes that you would see in something like Dragon Ball Z or something of that nature, or even some one piece stuff. Have you seen a live action version of that, that you thought was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's as good. Maybe, okay. maybe the Matrix Revolutions is the closest in terms of like that's a DBZ fight. No, but it's fine. It's not bad. People and, over but that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the Matrix Revolutions was like the big one. Like that was literally a Frieza versus Goku fight, legitimately. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that. like that. And that then ending. there's the a um. I think there, you're you're talking about emotionally. I'm just talking about visually. No, in the way the uh, no, 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 yeah, really. visually. So no, visually, did either of you um, back in the 2000s? There was a Korean. I don't know if it was like a series or movie that was uh, adapted by MTV, and they had a whole bunch of uh, rock stars and hip hop artists do the voice work for Volcano High. No, oh, I, never heard that. I remember that. Okay, that right there was the thing that I think is like closest to a Dragon Ball Z I fight in live that. action. Vol Volcano High, yeah. Let's see. Damn it! I was gonna type in drive live action Dragon Ball, but that just brings up the terrible Dragon Ball movie. Oh, um, yeah, not that, not that. Um, no, I, so I there really aren't any like. Not that many, if any, like that I can think of at least. And even, you know, when animation or, or excuse me, when Japan tries to adapt anime for like live action, it's usually terrible. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I can't think of anything that compares to it. So if you had to uh, give this a letter grade, what would you give it? Give it a B plus. B plus? I think, I think I'm about the yeah, same. Yeah, I think, I think it's a little overly indulgent. Um the dialogue is, yeah, it's stylized, but oh my God, it is just weird. It is clunky. It's like dramatic and weird. And I get it. It's all about the style. And then there are certain like characters move in a way that like characters don't move that way. I will ne never get over the fact that, uh, what's her name? The, the bride mm -hmm. misuses the word entropy. It should be atrophy. She's like, my feet have given away to entropy. I'm like, no, atrophy. 
that's not entropy, whatever the hell you're talking about. So there's some I have, I didn't really like, I have to watch that again. Oh, I've noticed for the past 20 goddamn years, Jonesy. And I've always like every few years I look, was I wrong about that? And I relook it up. I'm like, no, that's just the wrong word. Like, no, it's I literally word, word for I word for a living. I'm just like, no. Yeah. But maybe someone can maybe someone out there can prove me and say, hey, you know what? You're wrong. Let me know. Um, but yeah, I actually would be open to when whenever after you give your letter grade. I want to talk more about like the influence I'm, this movie had on. I'm about the same. Um, and if I have one regret, um, it's not even necessarily about this movie. I've been teased with because this is originally shot as one film. And thanks to a uh, convicted rapist, Harvey Weinstein, this was split up into two movies. So I'm, you know, I'm upset at him for that. And his yeah, it's rapes. annoying because I know his his theater is like the only place where they show the whole bloody affair, which is the entire thing. I used to live in L.A. Probably when they were showing that, but I think I was probably too poor to go do that um, at the time. Like, I so don't know I'm how much it costs. <laughs> no, it was like 30 bucks, probably. It, but oh, my God. Felt, really? I'm assuming. I have no idea. But for two you know, people or just one person? One, I'm just, it's a three hour or four hour experience. I'm sure. And it's at his his Beverly Theater or something. So I'm sure it's a little bit more than your Jesus average theater. Christ. And back when I lived in L.A., or in LA a movie was easily 14 to 15 bucks. That was back in 2011, 2010. So, yeah. Um, I, if I had a regret for this film, it would be, it, it is related to the whole bloody affair. It's the fact that, um, so I don't know if you've seen any of the deleted scenes from this, mm-hmm. uh, but there is one with, uh, Michael Jai white and, um, Oh God, Kung Fu. Uh, um, wow. David, David Carradine. Carradine. Yeah. So watching like that fight scene would have been a lot of fun and having that integrated back into the movie and there are a couple other things I would I would yeah. love to see. That was a Kill Bill um, 2 cut scene, I believe. Was it? I can't. How do you know? I think because David Carradine wasn't revealed yet as Bill fully. Doesn't matter. It's not a huge know. deal. <laughs> yeah, I've so the part the reason why I can't remember is because I've seen a version of the whole bloody affair like it was like a fan edit and so they took all the deleted scenes and all that stuff and put it together in a way that made sense. Mm. Um and I remember I showed it to this guy and he was like, "Why would they cut this? Why would they?" And it were like a couple of scenes and he was just like very upset. Anyway, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. So sorry, Legacy. Uh Legacy. So I mean, this is a movie that you know, it's it's re- it's stuck around in the pop culture zeitgeist for the past twenty years. It is, it has imprinted itself into cinema. Um, I was I was actually remember watching. Did you ever watch uh Robert Rodriguez's director's chair series? No. He so he has El Rey Net or he I don't even know what the status of El Rey Network is. That was his network that he had has. Um, of his, and he had this series series called the Director's Chair, where Robert Rodriguez would direct, would interview famous directors. He interviewed like John Favreau, Quentin Tarantino, uh, uh, I think Ridley, no, James Cameron, I think a bunch of other type big directors. One of and the Scots, Quentin Tarantino, one of the Scots, maybe. Um, anyway, so he interviewed Tarantino, and Tarantino was even talking about how cool it was, you know, like how that battle without honor and humanity whatever the heck the name of the song is mm-hmm. how like that incorporates into pop culture he's like oh yeah that's like in kung fu panda now and this and that and i remember thinking to myself dude watch kung fu panda that's funny to me that quentin you know watch kung fu panda 
among other or things. did someone like run to him and was like hey you gotta watch this scene maybe but i mean one thing i think, that, as, I think that's as, more as likely a, i don't know if that's true because as obnoxious as i find tarantino in terms of his taste in cinema it's very clear he watches everything like he knows everything he's just like it's not for me i'm gonna watch it anyway and decide for myself he just watches everything so it doesn't surprise me that he does um that even though his filmmaking is very pretentious his what he watches doesn't seem like it is as consumes everything yeah he's a whale a whale consumer um also this is a film that launched launched a thousand successful and failed film careers you know myself included this is probably a movie that when is really influential kind of kick-started my love of outside of animation just film Mm. overall and really kind of led to me ultimately going to film school getting into screenwriting getting into storytelling so this probably started that snowball for me um because it was just that unique and that good and you realize oh movies can be this they don't just have to be a specific thing they could be a bunch of different things and like i think kill bill is kill bill and tarantino in general is kind of a gateway to like more avant-garde type movies and cinema that you're like oh these things exist i didn't know about these things and Mm -hmm. um you know the number of of kids who were like all about kill bill and film school is obnoxious Really obnoxious. Oh yeah. You get to the point where you get there. You're like, Oh my God, am I a basic bitch here in film school? Because I like kill bill. That's kind of how I felt. That's kind of how it feels in a way where it's like, Oh, everyone loves it. Everyone's trying to be Quentin Tarantino and it's, it's kind of obnoxious. Um, it's funny you talk about, um, there is a PlayStation five game Sifu that, directly cribs the Oranishi fight. So that fight that happens in uh, the snow, there's a scene like directly, like you would see it and you go, oh, that's, I know exactly what that is. So I, mm. I appreciate, again, the stickiness of this film. And it's interesting. It seems to pop up more than volume two, which I find it's flashy, fascinating. No, it yeah. makes sense. I think I think volume one is the crowd pleaser. Yeah. Between the two yeah. of them. And that was definitely so me one, when I was that age. It's funny, though. I remember one thing, how the interview, because, you know, back when they had DVD extras and they weren't crap. Well, they, some of them were crap. But they actually, this one that I'm about to explain was kind of crap. It was very much just sort of like, oh, we love, I'm so good. I'm amazing. I'm Quentin Tarantino. Um, Tarantino, Tarantino talked about how, like, how he doesn't like he wants like let's have the confidence to have a revenge movie and not have all this other crap i'm like bitch you have a four-hour movie there is so much crap in here don't get me wrong you made it entertaining but you literally you can if you really wanted to you could cut this down to two to two and a half hours yes no, you could no yes no. you could unacceptable yes you unacceptable could. yes no. you could and no, no. i'm not saying it would be as good i'm just saying don't talk to me and saying that there is no extra crap in this movie because there totally is zero um, what I, one of the la- other things I think is kind of interesting, not necessarily influenced, but I, I think it's kind of sad. Um, so we've talked about Pulp Fiction. It was nice to see, you know, this, this budding professional relationship between Uma Thurman and, uh, Quentin Tarantino. And this is the film that kind of messed that up. Um, so one of the big tragedies oh, yeah. of this, yeah, the big tragedy of this film is the car accident. Uh, so the scene at, that happens in volume two, because again, this was filmed as one film. Um, it was something that happened without 
uh, her double on on set, um, and she was convinced to drive. I guess we should save this for April. Um, but I just think it's a sad thing that yeah. that this occurred. Um, you just it sounds like a six month that, episode from now. I did. Um, but you know what? That actually would be fun to do uh, some research into that and have a conversation yeah. about that because it sounds Let's like do that. Harvey Weinstein had a lot to do with the breakdown of that relationship. And I'm sure um, Tarantino isn't innocent himself. As much as I appreciate his filmmaking, no. he's very much just no, sort no, of no. like, yeah. this is all for film. This is for the film. Deal with it. And it just seemed yeah. even to this day yeah. where people talk about like, are you ashamed of Harvey Weinstein? He's like, no, he produced those films. I'm like, all right. I would be a little bit being like, oh, I can't believe I worked with that POS, but you're not even going to say that. Okay. Um, no. anyway, anyway, as far as like, I'm one more thing kind of playing into the legacy of the movie and all that. I do want to talk about maybe how this influenced his career as a whole. Um, because okay. I feel like this is like, you can almost divide it up. It's like you have pre kill bill, post kill bill, pre kill bill yep. was like crime movies. Post kill bill was a little bit more experimental. After this, we got death proof, which was easily his worst movie, in my opinion. I think it's awful. I think it's a bad movie, legitimately. And then uh, from there, you have his like Oscar phase, which, you know, like Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, yeah. which are like, that's his primo phase, in my opinion. That's like his, it's it's golden. Yeah, it's great. Got that Inglorious Bastards um, image back there or a poster. Um, and so for me, I, I, I'm curious, how do you think the success of Kill Bill influenced the next moves he made in his career? Or did uh, it so at I all? Definitely. I think it definitely made him a little bit more experimental. Um, but you can see again, if he talked about the fact that that 88, um, 88, uh, crazy wow. 88? thank you. Crazy 88 fight took it out of him you can see where he the scope of some of the stuff he has done ex- expands but it's never to that level again at least as far as i can tell uh, it never mm. appears visually to be that i don't know I, I feel like that django unchained freaking firefight at the end is pretty intense uh, pretty i a, I, don't I remember disagree being that exhausted it's by that fight scene yeah d'artagnan motherfucker like i don't I dis I agree with you that it is it is intense, but I think that the amount of stunt work and martial arts sure. and people jumping off of stuff like it both are multi actual human fights. choreography, yeah, human fight yeah. choreography, yeah, yep. that's fair. I think they said that 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 scene took eight weeks to film or something ridiculous. It was like insane. Um, it's and because that of the inefficient of the way scenes. that Hong Kong cinema is filmed, inefficient, well, effective but inefficient. Well, I don't know how much of this played into it, but supposedly this entire film was done sequentially, uh, which to your point about inefficiency is one thing. So I'm, I don't know how that played into this specific scene. Did he try to do the same thing for he did this it, scene as well? He did it the same way they did it in Kong, like Hong Kong cinema, where it's like they didn't do traditional coverage and stuff. What they did was like they did like a section of the fight scene and then they moved the camera yeah. and then another section and they moved the camera because it, it allows you to improvise more on the spot and also yeah. keep with continuity easier. Yeah. So I think that this film was originally um, budgeted like 39 million. And I think it ballooned to 50 something million after that. Uh, oh, that's so adorable dang. these days. Right. Right. 
I'm sorry for the people who only listening. I did quotation marks to ballooned. Um, so if I had to say what I thought that the influence was like, yeah, I see him having a lot more cred because this movie made or as a whole, they made like 300 and something million dollars uh, off of this film. I'm sorry, part one and part two together. And so you can see where he's, he's the scope of this stuff that he makes is much bigger after these two films. Yeah. Except for death proof, except for death proof. Ironically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that was like him and Rodriguez talking. They just I like, actually like themselves that. Movie. It's into fun. Like, it's not good. Is it though? It's, fun. it's boring. It's I, 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 it is. It is fun. I like yeah. seeing Kurt Russell, like be that way, but I also hate what happens to Kurt Russell. Um, it just you don't like getting the, his face caved in by Rosario at Dawson the at end, the end. At, listen, and he turns I, into a, like a sniveling little man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I. It was really weird because I could swear there's a quote from Tarantino where he talked about like, when are we going to see Kurt Russell be a badass again? And like, that's the end of the movie. Like, I think that that's weird. Um, so I, I really didn't like that. Although I do love that scene. That scene with the book where he's talking about the book, he's like, you know, you're all right in my book. Or you're this. And like, I actually have a book. And he like goes down and he sits that you guys don't remember this. Like he sits down and he talks about like how he's going to put somebody in the book. I think about that all the time yeah. when I think somebody's like an asshole or a nice person <laughs> in my head. I think of that scene as like, I've got a book. I'm going to put you down in the book. Like <laughs> you're all right in my book or like, fuck this person. I'm like, so I, even though it's not a particularly good movie, he is still able to find ways to like to make something stay in my brain. So, yeah, as far as staying in brain, that crash scene. Yeah. Violent. Yeah. Horrific. Horrific. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, I think I think Killville probably gave him confidence to do some weird stuff like Death Proof. Um, and I think leading to <clears throat> him maybe being a little bit more careful with his next move. <laughs> and potentially leading to Inglorious Bastards. Obviously, I can't speak for him. I don't know. That's just me from the outside looking in and kind of seeing where that goes. Why? And I know he... Why what? Oh, you think Death Proof because it was so bad. Yeah, so Kill Bill, let, okay. not that it was bad, but I think that it was a flop, first of all. It showed that he's not invincible. You know? He's not bulletproof. He... Not everyone will not necessarily go out to see everything that he does. So I get what you mean. Probably should so, be like, more <laughs> cognizant. What? You said I'm the not same just, thing. It's like not three just. Times. It's not just for you. It's not just for you, Jonesy. Apparently, I wasn't clear enough. He's so wait, not Kill bulletproof. Bill, He's gonna be more cognizant. He's gonna like. There was another thing. It was like Killville gave him confidence. Deathproof gave it away, and then he was able to jump into his comeback. His, his comeback, even though a lot of people like Deathproof, even though they're stupid. Do um, they really? I don't know. Or is it just know. Kyle? Okay. Well, Kyle. No, I know. I know other Kyles out there who like Death Proof. <laughs> oh, we know some Kyles. God, I hate my parents for my for my name. You bastards. <laughs> All right. Um, I think my point is is taken. I think. Uh, do you have anything else you want to discuss about Kill Bill Volume One? Gracias. No, I'm good. Uh, I, I'm. I've had fun. We should end it at the fun. Let's end it at the fun. Go ahead, Let's do your thing, Jonesy. Gonna do my thing. So if you like what you heard, do all the socials, like, rate, comment, subscribe, share. If you are a fan or not a fan of Kill Bill Volume Two, let us know. Jump on the Discord volume one. and and what a God damn it. <laughs> Apparently at the bookends, we're just really excited for volume two in six months. Oh so close. Oh so close. Um 
<laughs> jump on the Discord and let us know what you think. Uh, if you like or hate Volume 1 of The Whole Bloody Affair, uh, yeah, it'd be fun to talk to you. Otherwise, check out LRMonline.com and The Genreverse on where else but on YouTube. And we'll catch you on the next one. Asa lasagna. Don't get any on mission accomplished. Oh, he was actually pretty spot on. He got in. <laughs>